God of mercy, God of grace, oh, how we love the Lord in his sanctuary. Let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. 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 We serve a truly worthy God who is worthy of our praise. Amen. Um, I, I, I said this this morning, and I, I want to reiterate it, and uh, uh, my pastor didn't come up and tell me not to do that, so... Uh, I know I'm okay with him. Pastor Eddie Austin calls um, the sanctuary our unique worship experience. He often calls it uh, God's living room. And if we were literally in God's living room in heaven, uh, what would we be doing up there? Say it. We'd be worshiping, right? Uh, and, and I know that uh, you know we have bagels and donuts and coffee and etc. Uh, but this is God's house, the sanctuary. And God inhabits the praise of his people. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if God moves on you in the midst of the service uh, to come down to this altar and have a conversation with him and lay your burdens on him, allow God to use you that way. If God moves on you to wave your hands in the air like you just don't care, uh, do that. Um, you have the freedom to do that. I, I had the luxury of sitting in the overflow area in the back downstairs a few weeks ago, and it could be a bit intimidating back there in that environment. I don't know if it's that, that low ceiling or what, but uh, we are here to worship our God and to celebrate him. And however he moves on your heart, all of us come from different experiences and walks in life, um, and, and I, I want you to know you don't have to feel inhibited in God's living room. Amen? Amen. Uh, there is a word of the Lord this morning, uh, so let us pray. Oh, gracious and all-wise God, uh, this, your servant, comes and stands in this sacred place to be able to share your word with your people. Father, I can't do it in my own strength and power. I need your help. So I pray that you would use me through the Holy Ghost that lives in me, that I might be able to speak your word, word with such power and clarity. So much so that somebody, under the sound of my voice, may hear it and fall out with the ways of the world and come on the Lord's side. Lord, I pray for each and every individual in this house this morning that you might move on the main altars of their heart in any way that you see fit, that we may glorify you and lift your holy and divine name. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be found pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. O oh, my Lord, my strength and redeemer. The word will come this morning, the text will be out of the 24th Psalm. I'm going to be reading the new American standard um, of the Bible, but uh, whatever version you have will be fine. We will end up in the same place. I'm going to start in verse 3, and I'm going to read through uh, verse 6. And it reads, Who may ascend into the heel of the law, and who may sit or stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, 
who has lifted up his soul, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God, the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your faith, even Jacob. I'm going to start this morning by asking a question. Do we have anybody in the house this morning uh, that is looking forward to seeing our Lord and Savior face to face? Where in his presence, it will always be hello and never goodbye. He will wipe all tears from our eyes. We will be walking on streets of gold, living in mansions not made with hands, seeing walls of jasper, and we will see those who in him that precede us in death, mama, grandmama, granddaddy, and daddy, and some sons and daughters, uncles and aunts, and we will be able to rejoice with them in heaven. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. And I'm going to preach and teach from the subject, do you have a heart condition? Do you have a heart condition? With the question I just asked this morning, uh, if you could not answer yes and rejoice in the question, if you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, you have a heart condition. The doctor told me that I have heart disease, uh, which I uh, rebuke in the name of Jesus. By his stripes, I am healed. But nevertheless, he says that I have heart disease, and, and, and I must go see a heart specialist for treatment of my heart disease, and I'm to go on a regular schedule for the purpose of monitoring my heart so that my heart condition doesn't worsen. So I have to follow a strict regimen that has been set forth by the specialists. Of those of us who do not loathe the Lord Jesus Christ as our savior have a heart condition. We have a heart full of sin. And we need to see the heart specialist and his name is Jesus. And we need to take heed to the specialist prescription, which is for our, our heart condition, which is found in the word of God. So that our sin condition doesn't deteriorate and get worse. That when we accept God's son, we must pray and meditate on his word daily. Some of us, our heart is in such bad condition, we literally need a heart transplant. Uh, but can I tell you, God's in that business too. In Ezekiel, third chapter 36, verse 36, the word says, and I will give you a new heart. I will put a new heart, a new spirit in you, and it will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender and responsive heart. So how do we maintain this pure heart that comes from God? 
despite our own inabilities to provide what we need to provide and to keep our heart pure. We don't have that power and that means in and of ourselves. It is only if God allows us to live a pure life, it has to be through obedience to his son and his will. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 18 says, With the Lord's authority I say unto you, Live no longer as Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness and they wander from the life God gives them because, watch this, they have closed minds and a hardened heart against God. Only God can give a new heart. In our lesson today that we're studying and we will see and it will be revealed to us that those who submit to the condition of the new birth process, that he or she shall enter into the kingdom of God and receive the blessings of citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. 2 Corinthians 2, 5, I mean 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone in Christ is a new creature, old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Learning and accepting Christ should lead us to have a heart change and a change in our conduct. Ephesians 4 and 22 through 24 says this, that you put off concerning former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you might put on the new man, watch this, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The religious leaders in Jesus' day would come to Jesus and ask him a question. They would say, Jesus, what is your greatest commandment for us? And Jesus answered this way, that you love God with your whole heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Jesus says that this, is the greatest and the foremost commandment for us to follow. In our text, the author of the 24th Psalm has been attributed it to King David. King David writes the Psalm, and in the Psalm, King David is pondering a question. And he's pondering a question that all of us ought to ponder. He said, who will be worthy to stand before God in heaven? He's pondering that. He's thinking about that. He's saying, who will stand with God? Who is acceptable to him? 
And as I thought about the text and I thought about it being written by David, if we have any Bible readers in the house this morning, you know uh, David had a heart condition. He had uh, an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. He ordered her husband to the front lines to be killed. But as we read a little further in the text, we find David in prayer and he's asking God to create in him a clean heart. And so David is pondering the question, who will stand before God? Who will be acceptable to him? And uh, before David gets those words out of his mouth, he answers his own question. And it's in the same verse, verse 3, he said, it will be the individual who has clean hands and a pure heart. It's funny to me that David is asking a question that he already knows the answer to. Isn't that just like us? When our lives begin to go in chaos and they seem to be get off the, get off the rails, there's no more harmony in our home and love seems to be absent and we're having problems with our children and we, and we begin to ask ourselves, what in the world is going on? But if we just stop for a second and think, we can often point to the exact problem. And it probably has something to do with us living outside of the will of God. David knows the answer. David said, who will stand with God and in front of God in heaven? And says, it will be the individual who has clean hands and a pure heart. If our relationship is right with God, we will love him with our total being. A pure heart is the person who comes to God... Watch this. A pure heart is a person who comes to God without deceit. But genuine, honest, open transparency before God and man. And is motivated and the goal is not divided when we have a heart that is pure toward God. There will be a single-minded focus on the kingdom and us wanting to do the will of God and to leave the things of the world behind. Pastor said it last week. He said, when we come with a pure heart, we will come to God despite what anybody else might think. If If I'm so desperate for God's help, I can't stay in my seat and stay in the same condition that I'm in. I'm to come and to make myself available to the man that can change my life and my heart. I don't care what you think. I don't care even where you might see me tomorrow. I'm a man, I'm a sinner, and I'm standing in need of a Savior, and I'm coming to God just as I am. I'm coming with my problems. I'm coming with my addictions. I'm coming with my struggle. And yes, I know you struggle, but it's more important to me that I get in touch with the the one who can change my circumstance. I'm coming with no deceit in my heart. I'm coming open before men and God. I said, Lord, I need a savior. Help me. Clean hands suggest conduct or behavior. Watch this. We must do the right thing to please God. 
There is an objective standard which has been determined by God about what's right and wrong. The reason that becomes important is that sometimes we can try to justify our behavior. We can offer up what we believe might be a reasonable excuse. Can I share with you this morning that God didn't leave that up to you? It's God who sets what that standard is. So if we who have a pure heart, if we want to have communion with God and him and his grace and his glory, it will be those who keep themselves from the gross acts of sin. They will have clean hands. They will not be spotted with pollution or sins of the world and the flesh. If we don't make anything of our religion, of our faith, it must be a heart work. We must serve God out of our heart. It is not enough that our hands be clean before men. But we must be also washed in our hearts from wickedness that does not allow ourselves any secret heart impurities. Watch this, which God sees anyway. The word pure is rooted in the ideal of one being cleansed and free from impure mixture of the world without blemish and without spot. A pure heart lives to serve God. It is when a person recognizes God's ultimate uh, authority to determine what is right and wrong, clean and unclean, and stirs us to live according to God's law. 2 Timothy 2 and 22 says this, flee also from youthful lust, pursue righteousness, faith, and love with those who, are call, who call upon the Lord, watch this, out of a pure heart. A pure heart lives for the sole purpose of God. A purified heart has a singular alliance. It is free from alternative, I mean, uh, arterial motives and hidden agendas. A pure heart has an intimate fellowship with God that comes only when a person has had an encounter with Christ. It is not a once-in-a-lifetime deal. It's not every great while. It is a daily surrendering to God, your life. Then Jesus said in his word, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It is with our whole heart that Scripture des describes is not to be divided. Scripture says, do you not know that Friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be friends with the world makes himself an enemy to God. So what is the standard for pure heart? What is the standard for a pure heart? It is God himself. We have the tendency when we compare ourselves uh, to other folks that we have the tendency to believe we're all right. We really become like the Pharisees who would pray in the temple that they were better than publicans. 
And we, we feel good about ourselves because at least I'm not bad as Jeff. At least I don't have the same struggles Jeff do. But Jeff is not the standard. God is the standard. It is God alone who can purify our heart. The pure-hearted do not try to serve God and self at the same time. There is clear motivation and loyalty. Their only interest is to serve God with complete and total surrender and devotion to him. When we have this relationship with God, here's what it allows us to do, Brother Clint. It allows us to take off our mask and to enter into his holy presence where we will be welcomed as sons and daughters. The pure heart, the opposite of a pure heart is one that is divided. It is double-minded, trying to serve God and the world at the same time. We would describe it, you've got one foot in the church and one foot out. A divided heart somehow tries to serve two masters at the same time. The double-minded are blind spiritually and their loyalties are divided. Therefore, watch this, they cannot see God. When was the last time you've ever tried to walk in uh, the same direction at the same time, in different directions at the same time? You can't do it. It's physically impossible. So why try to do it spiritually? Why try to live for the world and for God? We need a single-mindedness of purpose. The Bible says this in 1 John 2 and 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of God is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from God, but it is from the world. We're reminded in Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and rust can destroy them, where thieves can come in, break in, and steal, but store up yourself treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust nor thieves can break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is also where your heart will be. The purity in heart, the purified in heart, can be threatened by anything that causes us to lose focus on our love relationship with God. How do we lose this love relationship with God? If we love money more than we love him, we are in a broken relationship with him. If our sinful behavior and, uh, and, and cravings for lust can affect our love relationship, you can fall in love with what you have or what you do, and when you do, your heart is not pure toward God and our fellowship is broken. Jesus demands that we have a pure open, honest, and genuine heart. Nothing is hidden from him. God has set the standard for us, and that standard is his son. 
There is no other way that we can fully please God until we are as pure as he is. We are as holy as he is. We are as perfect as he is. We are as pure in heart as he is because those are the only ones that will enter the kingdom of heaven. And the only way that happens is that we accept his son as our Lord and Savior. The Pharisees in Jesus' day, much like the legalists in our day, were more concerned about external rituals of purity and ignored what was on the inside. They kept the letter of the law, but their hearts were unclean. Uh, Jesus was not concerned with religious rituals, but the defiling influence of sin upon the inner man. Matthew 23, 25 through 28. What sorrow awaits you, teacher of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and and the dish, but inside you are filthy. You are full of greed and self-indulgent. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, O teacher of religious law, Pharisees, hypocrites? For you will be like a whitewashed tomb, beautiful on the outside, but filled inside with dead bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, we look like righteous people, but inwardly, our heart is filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. See, pastor, you might mistake that pastor and Eddie and I okay because we're preachers of the gospel. But I'm going to tell you, my brothers and my sisters, don't pay any attention to what's on the inside, I mean the outside. The only thing that's important is what's on the inside of our heart. Too many of us are walking around having the appearance of holiness and, and, and righteousness, and we got hate in our hearts. Too many of us are putting on a, a show for the world that we are righteous folk, and we talk about anybody we can. God said, don't worry about the outside. If the inside is clean, guess what it's going to do? The outside will transform itself and become clean. And I like the text in verse 5. When we accept Jesus and he becomes our heart, the center of our heart is all of our attention and love and motivation and and acceptance of his son radiates in our hearts, we will be like David says in the text in verse 5. He says this, watch it. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord. Oh, y'all missed it. That went so was clean over your head. Let me read this again. If you accept Jesus Christ with a pure heart, and acknowledge your own frailties and weaknesses before him and man, here it is, you shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness which comes from God of his salvation. The privilege is that we shall be made truly happy and forever happy and we will be forever blessed 
we shall receive all of the fruits and the gifts of God's favor according to his promises which are found in his word. Watch this. Because whom God has blessed is blessed indeed. Therefore, those who are justified and sanctified through the shed blood of his son, there are spiritual blessings awaiting for you in heaven. You will receive even righteousness that we have been thirsting and hungering for in the first place. Matthew 5 and 5 says, God bless those who are humble, for they shall inherit the whole earth. They shall be saved. God himself will be their salvation. Where God will give us righteousness. Where he has designed it from us through his son. Those who are made ready for heaven shall be brought safely to heaven. And they will find what they have been seeking for and that's eternal rest and salvation forever satisfied with God. David says in the text in verse 6, this is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your faith even as Jacob. If I got any Bible readers in the house, Jacob sought God and he wrestled with God and he prevailed over God until he got everything he was looking for. See, we need to fight for our salvation. We need to push through sin and lust. We need to push through the problems of life. We need to ignore what other men might think of us. We need to make ourselves available to God, and I'm not going to quit until I get what I've come for. There's also the aspect of the promise which declares that those who are pure in heart shall see God. It is so clear that on the final day of judgment, everybody from all generations will stand and see God. His word says that every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord. They, those of us who seek God's face, will find him. He will not reject us. He will not turn us away. He will not cast us out. If our relationship with God is to be right, and we love him with our total being, and we have a pure heart before God, and we have no deceit but a genuine honesty, open transparency before God and man, our devotions for him will not be divided in our hearts. There will be a single-minded focus on the kingdom of God and a willingness to leave the things of the world behind. Josh, come on. The pure in heart 
Do not serve God and self at the same time. I love this text because it ends with an exhortation. It ends with a call. And the call in the text in verse 7 says this. Wake up, sleepy-headed city. Wake up, sleepy-headed people. The king of glory is ready to enter. Who is this king of glory? God, armed and battle-ready. Wake up, you sleepy-headed city. Wake up, you sleepy-headed people. The king of glory is ready to enter in. Who is this king of glory? It is God of the angel's army. He is the king of glory. I pray that we don't miss the exhortation of this text. Wake up. Wake up, sleepyhead. God is calling. I hope you didn't miss it in the text. It said God is ready to enter your life and to do battle whatever you're struggling with. He said, who is this king of glory? He's in charge of God's heavenly army of angels who will come like a flood to rescue you and to give your heart focus on the kingdom of God. It's time, y'all. It's time to stop faking it until we make it. It's time to get real before God. He sees you anyway. Just as you are. He said, won't you allow me to come in? I want to see you in glory. I want you to possess that pure and clean heart so that when we stand before him, we don't have to worry about saying, depart from me, for I know you not, you worker of iniquity. You know who he says that to? Those folks who are playing church. Those folks who are not real in their commitment to him. He wants to say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Won't you come up a little higher? You've been so faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you a ruler over many. But you know what that calls for? A decision. You have to make a decision today. Who will you serve? God or the world? Where is your devotion? Is it to God or is it to something else? Are you saying out of your mouth, I love you? And your actions are demonstrating something else. 
You know the amazing thing about God's word? It's a mirror. And, and it reflects who we really are back to us. And you know, you're the person, you're the only person who knows if that reflection reflects him. So he says, that person who has a pure heart will come to me and not be deceitful. He will say, Lord, I'm a sinner standing in the need of a Savior. I've been faking this thing so long. But today's the day I stop. Because my ultimate goal is not to fool men, but to reign with you forever. Won't you come? Won't you come and accept him as your personal Savior? He will give you a freedom and a liberty you've never experienced in your life. That thing that's been weighing you down and dogging you all your life will be gone. But you need to give your life to him. Are you ready to make that decision today? He's calling. He's the king of glory. Won't you let him in?